All right, hey guys, welcome back. We are here with yet another podcast episode, Your Life, God's Word. That is the podcast. We are bread breakers. I am your host, Stephen Antwin. Stephen. Stephen, I, I can't figure out my own name, Stephen, Stephen, you know, something, some variation of that. Uh, Stephen Antoine, I am one of the pastors here at Bread Breakers, and uh, wanted to dive into um, <clears throat> something that, that kind of tags into the last episode that we just had. First and foremost, let's remember to hit that subscribe button if you're watching this on YouTube, hit that bell, and uh, you can get notifications when we do put out new content. Also, if you are listening to this on the podcast, you can follow the podcast and uh, get your get your fill. Get your fill. So let's just dive right into this. And in the in the last in the last episode, we talked about um, correction and, um, and and we talked about how the body of Christ, in order to have unity and have that love flowing, the unity in the body working and moving like it needs to, that there has to be some way of, of, of implementing correction. And we talked through the scriptures to see what the Bible has to say about correction. And we went through uh, Matthew, the, the proper way to move through when, when someone has uh, sinned against a brother or sister, and how to present that, the sort of f- four different stages of uh, how to go about um, correcting that and taking care of those kinds of issues. You can go watch the entire episode or listen to it. And uh, in that, we we briefly discussed, obviously, there needs to be some kind of authority or governing body within the church in order to take care of this kind of thing. And this is where we're going to dive into that in depth. This first episode in the series. I don't know how long this is going to take, and I don't want I don't want these to turn into like three-hour things, so we're probably going to try and cut them off 45 minutes to an hour or so, and so it may be two or three, something like that, but this is, I think this is very important for the body of Christ to understand. It's so important because on one hand, this is so abused. This is so, you have autocratic, top-down, really even straight-up totalitarian-like situations where men are in a position, they're basically the oracles of God for a specific specific body, and if that guy goes off the rails, if he he does something that's wrong, there's really no way to—I mean, who do you go to? Who do you—if you got the top dog and he doesn't really answer to anybody else, and then he— commits some sin or does something against someone, who do you go to? Uh, it, just in relevant sort of pop culture right now, uh, th- this stuff just happened, you know, a few months ago, things came out with Ravi Zacharias, and he was a, you know, real, you know, I mean, a household name amongst Christian, you know, apologetics and uh, traveled the world and all this stuff, and then it, it comes out that he is... Um, you know, philandering around, uh, exerting his influence over over women, um, getting massages and stuff, you know, I guess massage plus treatment and all kinds of stuff. And, uh, you know, some of these people, again, they feel trapped. It's Ravi Zacharias. What do I do? Where do I go? Who do I, who do I talk to? And some of that's because there's no accountability. 
Who was he accountable to? He was accountable to no one. He had his organization, but then he apparently, from what I understand, he he sort of went around some of the controls and stuff that were in place. And so that's the kind of thing. Now, that's an extreme example, but in a local church of, uh, of 40 people, if you have someone that has no accountability, it can be very uh, dog. It can get very dogmatic. Now, again, if you have a, a supreme leader who is supremely benevolent, <laughs> supremely loving and kind and, and scriptural, and well, that's that's a great um, that's a great situation. But the problem is that doesn't tend to be the way that 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 men uh, lean. Most of the time, when you give you know what's the old saying, power corrupts, and absolute power corrupts absolutely. A lot of times, what happens? I mean, we're, we're human. Any leader, any pastor, any uh, whatever title they they slap on themselves—apostle, doctor, a prophet, so and so—they are human beings, and they are subject to uh, falling, failing, stumbling. Even if it's not sin, but making mistakes, uh, making a bad judgment call, this stuff can happen. And we don't want to have uh, we don't want to have that totalitarian autocracy. It's it's not a monarchy in the church. On the other hand, you can have a complete anarchy, and you can have a a church body that is really there's maybe some governance there, but there's no real authority to govern. There's no real like hey the buck needs to stop here, and, and so it's this person and that person, and and people are vying and jockeying for. Uh, democratic type of um, type of rule, and uh, that that's going to be complete anarchy. Or maybe it's not quite that bad, but you have a leader that they're constantly bogged down, and people come into them whining, complaining. They don't like this. They don't like that. Um, you know, again, a leader tries to be approachable, but there's a there's a limit to the approachability, right? I mean, you don't want a line after every Bible study, after every Sunday service. There's a line of 25 people um, amongst the congregation with everybody that's got a gripe, a problem, an issue with somebody, right? You you just you can't have that. So I I call this tyranny from above and tyranny from below, tyranny from the pulpit and tyranny from the pew. So it it can happen on either side, and so we have to have some kind of government, some kind of authority structure within the church to be able to handle this. And of course, it's right there in Scripture, and that's where we need to go. We we are people. It's never going to be 100% perfect. You can always look, you know, there's always a balancing act, but you sh- we should try to get as close to the those, those two extremes, right? Totalitarianism and anarchy— we should try to get as close to the to the middle as possible and then balance somewhere in the middle. I don't think it should be at total polar opposites and we're balancing there. Like one week we're anarchy and next week we're, you know, we're we're out there uh, acting like a um a tyrant king. So we need to try and get to the scriptural balance, the scriptural middle, which is in so many things in God, if you will just take away one concept in that God is very balanced when it comes to the question of, uh, of of works, grace, faith, right? That kind of trifecta, that that balancing act there. How does that all work? It, it's it's pretty balanced. 
uh, when it comes to things like um, like legalism versus uh, versus liberty, uh, and, and, you know, the liberty we have in Christ versus we don't want to have uh, um, licentiousness on one hand, and our liberty is a cause to sin, and on the other hand, we we start implementing rule after rule after rule after rule after rule. Um, again, balance. Balance, balance. So many things in God, especially where there are these controversial issues and stuff. There's, it, there's a balance. There really is a balance. So, in this uh, particular episode, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna walk through some of the, um, some of the scriptures that talk about biblical government, and then from there, I think we'll, we'll go into some of the scriptures that talk about uh, elders and and deacons specifically. Elders and deacons, we can see in the Bible, there are clear qualifications for these folks. Uh, it is clearly lined out that, and you can see through the scriptures, that this was the sort of governance or governing body, the structure that is laid out in scripture. And um, we'll talk a little bit about <clears throat> Jesus's teaching on authority as well. And then we'll go through some of the different types of authority that we might encounter in the church. We've got ministerial authority, familial authority, so the authority of the family. There's um, employment authority. And then we might talk a little bit about some like things on spiritual um, spiritual fatherhood as well as civic authority and different... Again, there's going to be quite a bit here, and I think it's going to take a little while. And it may not be in perfect... Um, Secession, okay. Uh, we it, it I, sometimes these things you do one, you do two, and it just gets it gets a little stale, and you 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 want to talk about something else or dive into something else or whatever. There's a need, and so you talk about something else. So I, I don't know. If this is a four part series. It will absolutely be the next four episodes, the next four weeks. So keep it locked and loaded right here. We will get through them all. It is a critical, a crucial component of the body of Christ. It is kingdom principle. And um, I, I don't think necessarily, necessarily, um, that if you if a, if a body of Christ gets this wrong, that, oh, we're doomed for hell, it's a salvation issue, um, but, I, but, but it can have extreme eternal implications and impact. So let's, let's, let's dive into it, let's look at it, let's talk about it. So is, is government within the church even biblical? That's a good place to start. I'm making all these, all these assertions, I'm, I'm saying all this stuff about the need for, for a governing body and everything in the church, but is that even biblical? Well, let's go to the scriptures. Romans chapter 12, verse 8 says, If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it's giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Now, this is uh, in Romans 12, where it's talking about the different gifts and things that God has put into the body of Christ. This is one of the places. You can go to 1 Corinthians Chapter twelve as well. Talk, it talks about some of the like spiritual gifts, what, what we call the spiritual gifts, and then in Ephesians chapter four it talks about like the, the ministry gifts or fivefold ministry: apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. Here we're talking about uh, various other gifts. He mentions giving. He mentions uh, encouragement, mercy, but he mentions government or leadership, and it is a gifting and a calling that God has set in the church and given 
some people the ability to do so, and they should do it. The Bible says, if leading or governing or ruling, do it diligently. Do it diligently. Now, um, from uh, from Vines, now this is Strong's 4291, if you want to look it up, if you have a Bible software program that you use, or if you want to go to uh, one that I find very useful, Blue Letter Bible uh, Online, that is uh, a, a free resource. You can do uh, interlinear Bible, meaning you can look up like the Greek and Hebrew and stuff, and you can do a lot of great Bible study uh, with Blue Letter Bible, and it's free. So uh, <clears throat> shameless plug for the folks who who do that. And uh, no, I'm not a sponsor or get any kind of kickback or anything like that. Uh, just it's a good it's a good service and worth mentioning. Um, but anyway, so Strong's 4291 for uh, that that word sometimes translated govern or lead. And it means to stand before, hence to lead or to attend to. Translated to rule, so often people will say to rule, and uh, it's in reference generally to the local church. So, Scripture, it doesn't seem very likely that Scripture would be talking about a, a gifting of leadership or rulership or governance uh, if that wasn't even a thing in the body of Christ. I don't think you can read very far into, say, the book of Acts and the epistles and actually walk away thinking anarchy is really what the church is supposed to be. When I say anarchy, I don't mean chaos and everybody coming to service and throwing rocks at each other. And you know, I mean, there's there's no hierarchical structure of leadership. Uh, the Bible is very clear. Of course, the ground. I say this, you know, the ground is level at the cross, but beyond the cross. Uh, that's not the case. Everybody's not a leader. Everybody's not an elder. Everybody's not a not a pastor, uh, and so we we need to recognize that, and again, balance that so that we don't get get off in left field or right field. So, just a, a quick note here. Ephesians one twenty two, and God placed all things under His feet and appointed Him to be head over everything for the church, speaking of Jesus Christ. 1 Peter 5.4, when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. So, obviously, the chief shepherd, the chief overseer, the head of the body of Christ, which is the church, the head, it's Jesus Christ. But Jesus, again, does not just appear to every single person and lead every single person directly. He has set up a structure, the ecclesia, the church of the living God, the body of Christ and the earth. This is the governing body, bringing the king, sort of the administrative arm of the, of the kingdom of God in the earth. This is how God administers his kingdom in the earth. It's through the church. And so... When we look at the church itself, obviously Jesus is the head, but he has set it up. He doesn't come to every person. He, he has an announcement to make, and so he appears in a dream or a vision to every single person that's a member of the body of Christ individually, you know, shoots them their own private email. He doesn't do that. He uses leaders within the church. He uses people within the church that are set aside 
not as oh they're some untouchable special you know they 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 radiate they radiate with light when they walk into the room but but that's their calling that or part of their calling they are a leader they should be they should be respected as such they should be held in esteem as such and they are not beyond question or beyond um accusation they're not beyond uh scrutiny so again trying to be balanced here but that said they are to be respected in that gifting if, if god has called someone to be a leader and they are a leader in a local church uh, you and i should respect them in that capacity so first peter chapter 5 verse 2 says be shepherds of god's flock that is under your care watching over them. So the command here in 1 Peter chapter 5 verse 2 is that we are uh, given folks who are shepherds over the flock. Now, the word under shepherd is used sometimes in, in dialogue and such. Uh, again, I think that's that's a it's kind of like when you say, well, that, that word's not specifically in the Bible. The word under shepherd isn't necessarily in the Bible, but the concept is we have the chief shepherd, and then we have other people that are shepherds. Obviously, if he's the chief shepherd, if he's the head, these other shepherds are under him. So they are under shepherds, second tier shepherds, right? Uh, whatever you want to call it. But, um, this is something in the body of Christ. Very clear. They are leaders. They are shepherds or pastors um, uh, or, or, or elders, overseers. Some of these terms are interchangeable, and we'll get into that, I think, when we start talking more about the, the elders, the overseers, bishops, deacons, like all that stuff. Uh, but, but, but we are supposed to understand from these scriptures there is oversight in the body of Christ. Acts chapter 20, verse 28, Paul is exhorting them, and he says, keep watch over yourselves, right? So first of all, yourselves, hello, and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. So again, there is the concept, we obviously know, Jesus is the chief shepherd. Jesus is the head. But, once again, there are those gifted, called, set apart to be overseers, to be leaders, to govern I don't specifically like the, the word rule, not because there's anything wrong with it, but because, so the definition, there's nothing wrong with it. The connotation, meaning how it's typically thought of and used, yeah, there's a definition of it, but then there's a connotation of it, like, ooh, and, and that I don't like, because rule sounds a little bit more like you see somebody with a crown and a scepter and I'm ruling. If we say govern, maybe it doesn't quite have that that picture attached to it, or if we say lead, you know, that kind of thing. If we say oversee, uh, shepherd, you know, maybe we don't think that way. I, again, we, we read in Vines, and of course, many translations 
translate some of these words as rule. There's nothing wrong with saying it, but uh, I, that's just my personal preference. But it is a it is a rulership. It is a governance. We, it is a governing thing. They are set aside as overseers and shepherds. First Peter chapter five verse one. So we we read verse four. We read verse two. Now verse one says, "The elders to the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder and a witness of Christ's sufferings, who also will share in the glory to be revealed." So Peter is saying, "I'm also an elder. I'm in the boat with you." I, you know, I, I'm appealing to you as a fellow elder. I know what you're going through. I know what's going on. I, I get it. I understand some of the things that you battle, some of the some of the challenges you have. And he's he's giving them a charge. Again, right when 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 we get to verse two, he's talking about you need to watch over the people that are in your care. And we get to verse four, and he's saying, hey, when the chief shepherd appears you're going to receive this crown of glory that will never fade away. Why? Because of the because of the work that you did. Now, anyone who thinks that leadership is just you do the exact same thing you're doing now, right? Not as a leader, except now you have a title. That person does not understand leadership at all. And they really should uh, back up and be careful and and really consider if they're thinking about moving, you know, getting into like leadership or wanting to take that on. Um, there's there's a couple of things that leadership uh, equates to. Leadership is greater responsibility, okay, so more work. Leadership is greater accountability. So meaning you're accountable to far more people, you're under more scrutiny. There's a there's even more of a magnifying glass on you when you're a leader versus when you are not. Obvious the, the, the reason should be obvious. A leader has far more capacity to impact people than a non-leader. Someone who is up teaching, preaching every Sunday can impact people far more than somebody that's just showing up half the time. Okay, the person showing up half the time, yes, they can have an impact on people, but that person up there, or you know, or or, or seeing, sitting there, or however you know, however it's structured in a Bible study or whatever, uh, they they have an impact that is far greater, and so they have one, they've got more responsibility, things like teaching, things like counseling, things like um, you know, sometimes hel- helping to to handle and, uh, and and work through disputes or whatever it might be, they have greater responsibility. They also have greater accountability, more eyes on them, and they should build in lateral accountability. Um, and that's what I mentioned with Ravi Zacharias, obviously didn't have that. They should have people that, are, that they are accountable to, people that they, um, they submit to, people that... Uh, can speak into their life, that know about that local church, they know what's going on. You know, it's one thing if you've got someone who's an accountability partner, they're three or four states away, you see them twice a year at some conference, that there is an aspect of uh, accountability and submission that can be there. But if you have no one in your local assembly that you are laterally accountable to, how does that person that's three states away, they're not there, they're not seeing what's going on. I mean, you know, 
if some, if some charge was brought forth, they could, you know, sit, listen to both sides, try to, but someone who's there in the thick of it, they're, I mean, they're, they're, they're a part of that local assembly. They know they're much more boots on the ground. Okay. So I'm not saying you shouldn't have accountability partners that are, you know, a hundred miles away that you see once a quarter or something. I'm saying that it's better practice, in my opinion, to have someone that is more regularly uh, in attendance, that, that that's there, their presence is there, people know them, right? Let's say you have somebody that's you know even 50 miles away, and they show up maybe uh, three, four times a year um, where people can see them and know them and stuff like that. Do you think that someone who's been done wrong by the local pastor Really, first of all, are they going to have their contact information? Probably not. But even if they did, or if they could get a hold of them, do you think they're going to feel comfortable reaching out to somebody that they see three times a year and being like, "Hey, there's this issue going on. We might need you to step in." No, I don't think that's going to happen very often. So again, just some practical things that I'm I'm sharing as well. The overall picture of it, though, is that there is leadership within the body of Christ, and my point about accountability and responsibility is that people going into leadership, people wanting or feeling that call, uh, should make sure they go in with their eyes wide open. It is more responsibility, a.k.a. work, time, energy, effort, all that stuff. And it is more accountability. It is more accountability. Acts 14.23, Paul and Barnabas appointed elders for them in each church and with prayer and fasting committed them to the Lord in whom they had put their trust. So God governs through people. You see where they they went and established churches. Sometimes Paul would establish a church and he didn't stay. He stayed for a year and a half, two years, and then there were people there that they continued the local work. They didn't, People didn't run around following Paul all over the place. He didn't go around creating Paul groupies. Um, I don't personally believe, again, you can take this for what it's worth. I don't personally believe that uh, it's God's will for people to have on, to be churched online. Uh, your, your pastor is somebody that you know on YouTube. And every time they put up a new video, you watch it, but they really don't know you. If you wanted to get marital counseling from them, it would be very difficult because they have no idea who you are, let alone who your spouse is, or they don't have any kind of time to do something like that. Uh, online church is a good benefit when you know you're sick. You still want to you know tune in. Uh, you're, you're you went on vacation, and you know what? You want to get the family together while you're on that week long vacation and still uh, worship on you know on the service night or whatever. Or catch the the replay. Um, that's all great. That's great. We do that. Uh, I think it's 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 awesome. And I believe that Paul and the apostles would absolutely uh, engage and implement every uh, opportunity to be able to reach people and help people. Uh, what I'm doing right now, we can put this on YouTube and we can send the link out to people now and and ten years from now. It's awesome. It really is awesome. But there are um, there are disadvantages. There are uh, pitfalls, and I think Paul would probably be warning about these things as I am right now. That if you get into the mindset of oh, I'll show up, you know, half the time, and then you know catch the catch the uh, the broadcast or the replay, you're not really plugging into the church. You're, you're 
you're not really plugging in. You're not local church oriented. You're, how are you serving the body of Christ? And how are you dis, part of the discipling process? You're being made a disciple and you are actually discipling people. Uh, how is that? How are you doing that exactly? What is the, what does that look like? You know, posting stuff on a blog is not discipling people. Uh, reading a blog is not being discipled. Uh, we need to a point, obviously. We need uh, people in our lives. We need accountability. We need that kind of thing. And I think what we're seeing today is many, many very weak Christians. This is why people are, you know, go to go to college and you can just go you go look up the stats of the number of people that are supposed Christians that they go to college in their first couple of years they they abandon their faith. Why is that? It's because we're pumping out weak, wimpy, wet noodle backbone Christians. Because a lot of our idea about about the local church is that eh, whatever, take it or leave it. You know, it's on my on my schedule. I can check them out. You know, this is not how it works. And in order to have a well-functioning, well-oiled, uh, scriptural—I guess that should be the first—a scriptural, well-functioning, well-oiled local church, there has to be local church government. Okay, local church government. Uh, God has always worked through people since uh, the very creation of the world and the creation of the church. From Adam to Abraham, Moses, David, Paul, Peter, God has always used people, and he has not changed that. Now, for anyone that might say, well, I don't, you know, man, my leader is fill in the blank, right? They don't understand. They're not, you know, or they're really dogmatic or they're on the other side. Like they're, they're so hands-off and just flippant toward things. Oh, just love Jesus and just hope y'all all get, you know, they're not really discipling. They're not focused on that. They're not teaching the word of God. They don't want to step on toes. They're cowards. Um, uh, I would say again, reach out to reach out and get, get what you need, right? Find a place that you are comfortable. Find a place, you know, people, oh, I don't want to submit to that, dude. Then why are you going there? Uh, I don't like the pastors on this pastoral, and we've got a pastoral team. Uh, you know, if you don't like any of the, of the folks, I guess just leave and go somewhere where you like somebody. Um, you know, I mean, you know, sometimes it, it's just, it, it's not the pastor. Sometimes it's you. But a lot of times it is the pastor. It is the leadership. And what do you do in that case? Well, you know that's a, that's another podcast. That's another that's a whole other thing. But um, the the short answer is pray and seek God and go to a place where you will be shepherded, fed, protected, loved, and where you can serve. Um, but that does require if you're going to go to a place, whoever the leadership structure is there, we are commanded to submit to them. God has called them, and we should submit to them. And if God has not called them, you certainly don't want to go there. <laughs> you don't want to go to a church where this person's not called of God, but they're the leader. Yeah, that's not a good, that's not a good, um, a good setup. So quick recap, church governance, absolutely scriptural. There's a gifting mentioned in Romans 12, 8. We know the head of the church, the chief shepherd is Jesus Christ, Ephesians 1, 22, 1 Peter 5, 4. 1 Peter 1, or 5, 1 through 3, we see that there are shepherds and elders, Acts 20 and 28. Again, there's overseers, shepherds. We 
need to realize this, recognize this, and we need to then be able to go and try and and have try and have a setup, try and have a uh, a a structure within the body of Christ that more closely or most closely mirrors what they had in the Bible, what they had in the Bible. Now, the Bible does not uh, spell out an entire handbook on this stuff, and I think there's a reason for that. I think there are um, areas where you know this or that could work or, or whatnot, but the Bible does get more specific than a lot of people, I think, um, understand and realize. So kind of where we're going with this, one more time, we're going to talk about elders and deacons next time because in 1 Timothy and in Titus, the, the, the Bible actually spells out what these people are, what their roles and responsibilities are. It goes through the entire thing. And, and again, this, these are areas that a lot of times we'll either, we'll, either, we'll either skip over, we're not reading our Bible anyway, or we just kind of, oh, we read it, and oh, okay, that's nice, let's get to the thing that applies to me. Um, but th- it's very, very, very important. And so we will spend quite a bit of time going through um, elders and deacons, talking about their roles and responsibilities and, and these kinds of things. We will talk about how Jesus viewed authority and leadership. How, what did he think about it? What did he what did he um, what did he say about it? What did he teach on it? And then we will go through different types of authority: ministerial, civic, familial, employment. Um, and then we'll get into a little bit of the, the spiritual fatherhood uh, because this is one of those things where people, the Bible does talk a little bit about spiritual fathers and spiritual fatherhood, but it's one of those things that can be abused where people, oh, I'm, I'm your spiritual father in the Lord. You're supposed before you even, you know, take any money out of your bank account, you should be asking me if that's, if that's a thing you should do. You should check every decision by me. Uh, again, the there are times where... Getting guidance from a, a leader, uh, a shepherd, pastor, uh, an elder, it makes sense. It's a good thing to do, but we don't need to turn that into some kind of law or regulation within the church. That's where it gets dangerous. That's where it gets problematic. Um, again, you're going to get married. Uh, I, I think it's absolutely tomfoolery <laughs> and foolhardy to to do something like that. You get, you're going to get married and you don't go to a couple of, um, folks that are knowledgeable in the word. They're prayerful. They love you. Get some counsel. What do you think about? What do you think about this person? What do you think about my readiness? What do you think about? I mean, I, again, to not do that is so foolish, but, um, you know, you can be foolish and still, uh, still come to church on Sunday. But there, there are some big, you know, again, it, it doesn't have to be marriage. It could be a big financial uh, decision. Should I get this loan? Or what do you think about buying the house? Or, you know, and, and there are lots of scriptural principles all through the Bible, lots of them in Proverbs and stuff, but just general principles that maybe you're not aware of, or maybe you are, but you're too close to the situation and you need some guidance. You need some shepherding. Hey, there's a novel idea. I don't believe that these folks in the scriptures were relegated only to just talking spiritual stuff. 
How do I get to heaven? And then after that, don't talk to me. Because the epistles don't just deal with uh, only spiritual things, and the Bible certainly does not just deal with only the spiritual aspect of man. It deals with many, 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 many areas. In fact, all the important areas are covered in the Bible. And this is why people who are very knowledgeable in the Scriptures, people who are prayerful as well, know how to hear from God and, and help to direct your attention to specific Scriptures, have that kind of rhema word, if you would, uh, and that love you and are objective. These are these are people that we need in our lives. And so I am so glad that God provided these things in the, the body of Christ. Now, you might be saying, kind of wrap this up here, you might be saying, yeah, of course. I mean, you're a pastor, and, uh, you know, you yeah, you want to teach you about, you know, the need for people to, um, you know, understand church government, blah, 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 because you're a part of it, right? But I'm here to say that, in, in, in my experience, I am very thankful for the men that are I am laterally accountable to, men that I can go to and say, hey, was this too too much? Was that too harsh? What do you think I, about this over here? How should we handle that? Because you get guidance and direction from people, and it, it helps protect from autocratic rule. Autocratic rule sets people up for if that one person who's in charge of everything makes a mistake, nothing catches the mistake. There's no checks and balances. And so I personally find it very helpful, and, and I'm very thankful for the fact that I have people in my life that I'm accountable to, that that I am submitted to. And so, again, I'm not talking just from a, I'm at the top and I'm talking down to everybody. I'm talking from a, a position of actually being submitted to folks. It is a very nice thing to have. It's a great thing to have. Wisdom from people opinions from folks that are objective, that love me, but but they can tell me what they think about a situation. And so we should, uh, we should want that in our lives. We should want that. We should seek that. And I'm here to tell you, if you don't have that, please, 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 um, you know, reach out. Uh, you can contact us, podcast at breadbreakers.com or contact at breadbreakers.com. Those are a couple of emails we're on Facebook right here, you know, on, on YouTube. Um, we want to help people. We want to, if you're in this situation, I want to help you. You're in a situation where, you know, your leadership is not a good situation. It's crazy anarchy, chaos, the person, you know, or it's top down autocratic in your, you know, they, they dictate what kind of cereal you're allowed to have you know, in the mornings. Um, reach out reach out because I'd love to pray, seek the face of God, look at the word of God and try to help you in any way that, that, that I can or that we can. So again, we are going on a ride. <laughs> I'm thinking it's going to be at least, at least two to three more. Uh, yeah, probably two to three more uh, sessions here to get this all in. This one is going to be a short one just to kind of kick it off. So one more reminder, subscribe, Hit that bell. Definitely follow us um, on social media. And we want to hear from you. So comment and ask questions. And we will uh, we'll catch you on the next episode. God bless you. And we'll see you then.